Let me tell you why you're here. You're here because you know something. What you know you can't explain, but you feel it. You felt it your entire life. Oh, your voice is gone already. Brendo. <laughs> yeah. I just nearly did exactly the same thing as well. We want to clear your throat before you want to start. No, no, I'm good to go. Okay, okay, cool. Um, how are you, man? Um, well, like last point, I'm I'm in in a flap. You yeah. I had to um as people might know, my wife is away for two months. This is day four. Um, so I'm juggling two kids and full-time work and two different schools. Um, and yeah, and I had to get home very quickly for this one. I unfortunately had to delay the pod by half an hour yeah. just so I could get the kids home, get them showered. One, we're halfway there. I think I got one showered, one's not, but, um, so we're going to test ourselves tonight, right? Yes. We're going to test to see if we're still able to talk to a lady, a, a woman, <laughs> a, woman. <laughs> a woman in we, Bitcoin. We, we have done what have we done. 80 something i think we're on 82 or 83 right and we've literally had is that me or you so unprofessional um we've literally had one apart from and then we've had the the girls we both have a daughter um about so there's been three females in the pod this is number four delighted to have you mary imasuan am i saying that properly yes you said it properly (laughs) and i love the aussie the the scottish accent on this you said aussie first (laughs) mary imasuan how are you going (laughs) So please vote. Who had the better accent? (laughs) Absolutely. Absolutely. Mary, you're in Lagos? Yes, I'm based in Lagos, Nigeria right now. Awesome. So thank you. What time is it with you? You're early morning? Yeah, it's 10.34 a.m. right now. 10.34. Well, we're about half past seven at night and we're drinking red wine. So we'll try and be as professional as possible, but we can't promise. (laughs) I will never promise that. (laughs) I, I like where this podcast is going so far. <laughs> yeah, relax. It's all good. It's all good. We're nice, really. Um, so the reason for this, this is this the reason for this in the first place. I listened to a pod you did with Nick Batia, the uh, Laird Money. It was fab. It was really, really good. And oh, I just wanted to uh I just wanted your story to be told to more people, to be perfectly honest. Um and you but you've got so different, so many different angles we could go on. So do you want to give us a bit of a background? for Bitcoin and then we'll talk about all the things you're involved in now. Sure. Um gosh, where do I start from? <laughs> so I'll I'll start from 2015. That's when I had my first encounter with Bitcoin. So um I studied law in school and in Nigeria law is five years and then we go spend one year in law school. And uh I had like a gap year. 2015 I was home and uh, my sister convinced me to go into freelance writing. So I did, and um, I was a ghostwriter, and I had like all these different type of clients come in, and there was this one particular client who was like, uh, "Do you accept Bitcoin?" And I'm like, in my mind, I was like, I have no idea what Bitcoin is. So the first thing I did was to go and meet my sister. Uh, she, luckily for me, she had already been doing research on Bitcoin. She actually bought some Bitcoin at the time, even orange pilled my dad. Um, mm. They used it to make some payments. And that was 2015, cool. way wow. before lightning. Yeah. So awesome. um, my, I went to my sister, my sister was like, 
tell that client that yes, you accept Bitcoin. And she set everything up for me. Uh, she set up my Bitcoin wallet. I got paid in Bitcoin. Interestingly, the price of Bitcoin at that time was probably around 400 and something dollars. Mm -hmm. And yep. I got paid $400 exactly for that gig. So I was wow. the proud owner of almost one Bitcoin. But you know how it is wow. when you don't wow. understand it. I sold everything, yeah. <laughs> which I heavily regret now. But yeah. like, um, it's an, it was an experience. So uh, fast forward 2017, I started getting more serious about my personal finance. So I was like, I learned how to save more, invest. And then um, I it came to a point where friends started like asking, you know, advice on like how they can spend their money and save better and be have better personal finance habits. And so I started taking it a lot more. I, I started taking it more seriously because it was like more people were relying on me to give them, you know, the best, you know, recommendations for the best fintech apps and stuff. And so I told myself, and this was like 2019, I guess, 2020 or so. And I was like, look, how can you say that you're into personal finance if you've never tried um, owning Bitcoin, you know? Um, and so around that time i think late 2020 i'm i'm no i'm probably getting the years wrong but like late 2020 early 2021 i bought my first set of bitcoin by myself using an app called luno and at that time it was i was glad i bought but i was also it, the process felt really difficult for me um and you know i to me i think what really kept me consistent with my personal so finance habits was that they had to be easy and buying Bitcoin was hard for me on Luno. No shade to Luno. Like, yo, they were the guys who made it possible for other people to buy Bitcoin and other cryptocurrencies. But like for me, I really wanted something that was a lot easier. And I was like, I wish there was a way I could buy Bitcoin consistently without having to go through this long process. And it was 2 a.m. in the morning around that 2021, early 2021 time. 2 a.m. in the morning, I couldn't sleep. I was scrolling through um, Twitter and I saw this video of this beautiful app. Like I was like, wow, this app looks really nice. And they, you could buy Bitcoin in that app. So I immediately downloaded the app. The app is Bitnob. And right. I bought Bitcoin at that time. So imagine 2 a.m. in the morning, I'm buying Bitcoin. Set up my Bitcoin savings plan because they have like a Bitcoin savings plan on the app. So this savings plan allowed me to save every day, week, and month. So I think I created three or four savings plans in Bitcoin. And I went to bed. I woke up the next morning. I was so, so excited about it because I had to, ch I checked the app again. <laughs> I was so excited about it that um, I decided to do a podcast episode. So at that time, I had a podcast dedicated to reviewing fintech applications. Yep. Um, I was a fintech girl then. So I reviewed the Bitnob app thoroughly. The Bitnob team found it. They got in touch with me and then um, told me they liked the podcast. I used that opportunity to ask if I could interview the CEO. We had a really great chat on the pod. And then at the after the recording, he was like, they were thinking of setting up their own podcast. And he was he asked if I'd be open to managing that for them. And I'm like, yeah, sure. So uh, one thing about me is that I knew that Bitnob is a Bitcoin only company. And then at that time I was like in Bitcoin, started playing around the other crypto, like a lot of us did when we just started. It's all right. It's all right. We've so, all got the story. <laughs> uh, 
so so um I got into the company and I realized that these guys are just Bitcoin only. So I just want to focus on Bitcoin only and just mm -hmm. learn more about the industry, what's happening. And then there was one stand-up meeting where the COO was like, How can we make how can we make Bitnob a lifestyle app? And when he said that, I held it I held on to it so strongly. And I changed it from like, how can we make Bit Bitnob a lifestyle app? So how can I make Bitcoin a lifestyle for myself? And that's what led me to like finding out other Bitcoin platforms that I could use to incorporate Bitcoin to my daily life. And from there, my journey towards being a maxi like came really solidified. I stopped buying any other uh, crypto and I just focused on, you know, Bitcoin only and start trying all these apps. And now I recommend those apps to people if they want to incorporate it into their daily life. Uh, fast forward to June of 2022, I said, hey, I wanna start a Bitcoin only um, Twitch channel. And so I stream Bitcoin games uh, on Twitch and I also show them how to use the Bitcoin tools. In fact, for the past three weeks or so, we've been testing a a streaming tool that streams sats to viewers, um, which is really cool. So yeah, that's what I do now. I'm like heavily into Bitcoin games, Bitcoin communities, um, learning about different Bitcoin projects and recommending them to people. I even have a show on um, Satoshi TV, which is like the YouTube channel of BTC Turk, which is like BTC Turkey. They, um, I have a show called Bitcoin Lifestyle, and I have uh, where I showcase different Bitcoin platforms that you can use to incorporate Bitcoin into your daily life. So yeah, that's me. <laughs> that's a whirlwind of a, a journey. Yeah, that's cool, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. That's <laughs> your background, I'm right in saying um, your mom and dad maybe Turkey and Philippines. Is that is that right? My mom is Filipino. My yeah. dad's Nigerian. They I, both met in Turkey. Oh, they met in Turkey. Here. Got you. So you've got a bit of an experience of those three countries as to as to what you know how things operate is a good way of putting it. Yeah, guess. more or less. <laughs> and so first, well, I guess the first question is how do they differ, um, and how do you find like how long have you been in Nigeria, and how do you find um, I guess the Bitcoin experience in in Nigeria as well, I suppose. Um. So I came to Nigeria. I think sometime around. 2006 or 2007 or so so i've been here for a while um and it is very different from what i'm used to right so i, I grew up in turkey and uh very like it was a huge culture shock for me i literally took one month to adjust <laughs> yeah. um so my and I, th I think we could start from here like my dad is not the traditional african right like even when he was growing up my my dad's family used to call him the black white man because even though he was black, he acted so white. <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay. So they're like this weirdo. And, and um, so like when we were raised, my mom and dad were like, we want to raise the, the children. That's myself and my sister with our own culture, the culture that we set for ourselves. Right. So yeah. um, that's how I was raised. And I had, very little knowledge of what it was like in Nigeria, even Africa in general. Um, so when I came to Nigeria, like my perspective was like the perspective of someone who knew nothing about Africa. So when people ask me questions about Nigerian Bitcoin, like I look at it from a different perspective, not necessarily like a local here. It's like 
this is what I see. And then these are the opportunities that I feel are available to them and stuff like that. So I feel like my explanation of Nigeria is very different from others. Yeah. yeah. Um, so Turkey is also really different as well. Um, they are more, I think they have a more structured system compared to Nigeria, right? So Nigeria has the laws, but poor execution. And then in Turkey, they have the laws and they execute really well. So I have them really definite structure. Turkey is more like a debt economy. So you could buy things installmentally and then you pay later. There You can buy a t-shirt and pay after 24 months. <laughs> um, right. But mm. in Nigeria, we don't have that system. Nigeria is more of a cash-based society, right? So like if you do not have that cash in hand or in your bank, like you can't buy it. Um, and that's simply because we don't yet have a system that allows you to easily track the person, right? So if you bought something on credit and you can literally pack your things, go to another state and they can never find you um, because we don't have that structured system. Unlike in Turkey or even the US or in, in other Western countries, it's easy for you to track them. By the time they start using their credit card somewhere, you know where they are, sure. right? Sure. So um, it was, and in, it, it's just an interesting dynamic. So in terms of Bitcoin adoption here, so I think in Nigeria, they use Bitcoin, um, but they use it to trade predominantly, right? So it's like, you know, how much can I get selling and buying Bitcoin over an exchange? And that for me is what I think contributed to the volumes because actually Nigeria is, I think, the second largest country that's made to use of Bitcoin or something. Um, but, and and I heard a story of how importers in Nigeria are actually paying their Chinese suppliers in Bitcoin for the large volume of cargo that they buy from them. Um, yeah. And someone told me that those big numbers that gets announced about Nigeria being like the highest, biggest users of Bitcoin actually comes, is, that's, they are responsible for those big numbers, right? Because so it's, not, it's not the everyday, it's not the everyday person. No, <laughs> not, not at all. Um, okay at least from my perspective and from what I was told. Yeah. So that that makes it really different, right? But in the Philippines, it's quite different, right? So we Pouch.ph is doing a really great job in like orange pilling and making sure and onboarding merchants to, to Bitcoin. So like there, especially on the island of Boracay, you can find stores that will accept your Bitcoin. Um, and they they buy it from you. I know that when I went to Boracay for the Bitcoin retreat that Pouch organized, I did not touch Philippine peso until I left Philippines. Wow. So okay. the, my last day in Philippines was when I finally held the Philippine peso in my hand. Oh, <laughs> so, you could do everything you needed to do with Bitcoin. Exactly. And I think and the app that they, they developed is actually quite unique. So when you send Bitcoin to that app, um, it denominates everything in Filipino peso. So it doesn't show that you have X number of Bitcoin. So everything is denominated right. in peso. And they have, they've done that integration, which allows you to send money to uh, the, mo the popular mobile money wallets. They're like Gcash. You can also send directly to a bank. So I didn't have a, the need at all to hold cash at that time. Sorry, right? can I just... So like, can I just 
just go back on something sure. there. Are they? You say there that that app is whole. It's denominated in peso on the app, but are you holding the Bitcoin and it's just denominated and it just shows you in peso? Yeah, right. Peso, okay. Yes. So people can. Yeah, people so- can. It's, it's going to be fluctuating all the time. Hopefully, you know, going upwards quite a lot for people, right? Yeah. So that's what that's my understanding of it, really. Like, okay, I didn't it, know that. It's. It is Bitcoin, but it's like denominated in pesos. Um, There, of course, there are like some advantages and disadvantages of that. But for Mm. adoption, like it makes it a lot easier for them to use it because in their head, even though you are sent Bitcoin, like they see it as peso and they can relate with it a lot better. Um, I know that when I went, so I spent a week in Boracay, which is Bitcoin Island, Philippines. And then I spent another week in my mom's hometown, right? There they know nothing about Bitcoin, but they're very interested in learning about it. So I, what I noticed about Nigeria and Philippines is that the Filipinos are actually quite open to learning more about Bitcoin. Um, and one of the fastest ways they adopted it, as at the time when I went there, was through games. Uh, I they I, I mean, there's a story that Axie Infinity really took Philippines by storm. And uh, even though Axie Infinity went down and, you know, a lot of Filipinos lost their money, they're still interested in playing games. So I recommended some Bitcoin games to them. And of course, when you win Bitcoin from these games, you have to claim them somehow. So that made them download a Bitcoin wallet. So like it was it I saw that it was a lot easier to tell them about Bitcoin compared to what it's like in Nigeria, because it would be like, is it a scam? Are you telling me the truth? Like they're a little more skeptical here. So like that's Sorry. the difference I've seen. <laughs> I've got I've got my bloody dog. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna have, show you the dog. I'm gonna have to, oh, he's so I'm gonna cute. have to get him up because he's gonna come on. He wants to get up. Well is he gonna come up and all right you can oh, yeah all right. as long as he doesn't unplug the bloody microphone. He's coming in. Sorry Mary. come on you stupid thing. <laughs> All right, we've got a dog coming in. <laughs> come. I love dogs. Oh he's just gonna he's, he's gonna so hassle cute. me otherwise. Hey pup, how you doing? Um <laughs> so oh, sorry, dude. So is that a hmm, is that a, a technology thing? Or like mobile phone has really good pen- penetration in Nigeria, I'm sure. But you know, mm-hmm. I'm what I don't know is um like power generation is harder. Internet connection, I don't know how like how reliable everywhere is an internet connection for example um so i know that when i was growing up internet connection in turkey is really great mm-hmm. <laughs> i never experienced like downtime it was so oh good. really yeah definitely definitely you look at well, compared to new zealand i think we talked about this before new zealand's amazing compared to Australia. oh wow yeah, yeah. Um... but Nigeria, so they have the their good times and bad times. As it is now, I'm, I'm using the internet right now. We're going strong. <laughs> <laughs> um, but like in the Philippines, Philippines is known worldwide to have the worst internet in the world. So, I, and I experienced that there. Like my dad was making fun of me anytime I'd call home. He'd be like, "Yo, you went to a country where the internet is terrible." <laughs> Our internet is so much better than your internet. Yeah, okay. <laughs> um, but they are they're they have the worst internet in the world. But despite that, like they still find a way to make do with what they have. Like imagine like the best social media managers, virtual assistants, they're all based in the Philippines and they're doing fine. Okay, so it's not it's it's, not, it's if anything, so if anything, Nigeria is obviously sounds like it's ahead in that sense. So um so it's more cultural then in terms of just exactly. about it's just to do with like final settlement of cash 
And you mm-hmm. know, pe- people don't want to trade with you unless you find you know you're just literally handing over naira. Exactly. And you, you transact so, in naira rather than US dollars, right? Yes, naira. Um, nobody will take the US dollars from you, so you have to convert your US dollars. Um, <laughs> in fact, so I think there's sorry. there's even <laughs> he's trying to he's trying to get comfortable. <laughs> All right. <laughs> I might have to put the video of this up. Yeah, 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 block yeah. your face. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Sorry, you're transacted. Well, Sorry. Can... Yeah. So, you know, one thing about money is that your relationship with money really depends on your general perspective of what money is to you. Mm-hmm. And so different countries and different different people in different countries will respond to money and how money is used or spent based on their culture, their perceptions, even upbringing. Right. So th- because of these um cultural differences like the way you would also respond to bitcoin is different as well right so um i would say filipinos are more open-minded to try anything um there's a saying that my mom would my mom would tell me about how my granddad would say um bahalana which means like you know whatever like anything goes or like i I think it's kind of like yolo you know you only (laughs) live once i hope i hope i'm translating correctly but it's like yolo so they just try it if it works great if it doesn't oh well lesson learned right but nigerians are a lot more careful right they can take they can um embark on like risks but a lot of them like to be very careful um with their money and how where it goes and if they get any returns from it so if you're telling someone about bitcoin here they'll say okay what's the rate of returns of bitcoin if i put it how much will I get at the end of the month? Those are the kind of questions um, yeah. that you could you would hear in a place like Nigeria. So like when we talk about orange pilling people, right? We're always saying we need to orange pill as many people as possible. There's a dynamics to orange pilling. You know, you can't just go and tell someone and be like, hey, Bitcoin is the best, you know, and decentralized currency in the world. It's sound money. Like, what does that even mean? Yeah. Right. And people, if people can't relate with it based on their um, current perception of life, they're never going to try it. But for example, if in Nigeria, if you tell someone, hey, you're selling shoes, that's great. But do you know that you can only sell shoes within Nigeria? What if I told you that if you accept Bitcoin, you can sell these shoes mm. to any country in the world and people can buy from you millions of miles away and you get settled instantly. Now that is going to yeah. get some people's attention. Um, and then as they use it in that manner, they that's when they start to understand that, oh, Bitcoin is good. It can actually help me in so-and-so things. And that's what these importers actually found out because they realized that to buy dollar from the um, market is very expensive. And then when you're buying dollar, there's some certain tax and import duties and stuff that you have to pay. But if I'm paying my supplier directly, and my supplier receives that money for all these goods, I don't have to have the government involved, right? So for them, they now say that, oh, Bitcoin actually helps me solve this particular problem. So it's like, it's important to always look at the cultural perspective, right? So the best people to orange pill the country is the locals in that country, because they're able to understand the culture and relate that to the people they're trying to orange pill. So this is going to go back to where we've got we've sort of conclusions we've reached before. Like this is the same the world over. It's like we um, it took me a long, long time to realize that 
talking about what I cared about was not relevant to people, right? You sort of, you really have to meet them where they are and what yeah. their yeah, issue yeah. is. Um, and cause then, cause then they're open to the idea. Cause I mean, if, if you're, if you're talking about like international trade, there's a, you know, there's a time between sending the money, receiving the money, there's a trust issue. There's a big problem, but if you can, even if your supplier doesn't, um, even if they don't believe in Bitcoin, even if they know they could immediately receive it and just sell it immediately into whatever it is that they choose, they don't have to trust you. They've got it and they make that choice themselves. Mm. Um, with international trade, do you know if it's done like large-scale international trade? Is that done with Naira or is that done in US dollar traditionally? Oh, it's done in US dollar. Nobody is... accepts the Naira outside the country. <laughs> got you. Yes. Okay. So, yeah. So, international it's all us dollar but internal it's all naira basically for normal people exactly understood exactly. understood um so if you were to go meet some stranger in the street and wanting want to orange pill them what, what do you have a like what where would you start is there a starting point or do you just very much try and work out exactly who they are and, and what they are and what they're yeah so about? i think the the best way is to get a sense of who they are right if i walked around the person, the person's a developer, there's a different way I would approach it, right? If I walk up to someone and the person is a designer, there's a different way or a content creator. Uh, but if you're selling a, uh, an item, so Nigerians are very entrepreneurial. So I always use the example of selling stuff. So if you're selling bags, I'll just be like, hey, you know, it's really cool. You're selling bags. This is really nice. Um, and they're handmade. Oh my gosh, that's great. I think a lot of people abroad will like your bags and you can sell the, these bags for top dollar. And they're like, oh yeah. But you know, the problem is that if they use Western Union and all that mm -hmm. and PayPal doesn't work in Nigeria, Skrill doesn't work in Nigeria. Um, or like, so the I have a solution that will help you and that's Bitcoin. So I'll probably demonstrate it there. I say, okay, let me buy this bag from you. How much is it? And then I'll buy the bag with Bitcoin and then I'll show them how to convert it to their local currency. So that like makes them feel like, okay, yeah, <laughs> my yeah. money's safe, you yeah, know? Yeah. Hi, sorry, how and would you do make... that? Is, is that when you take them to the BitNob and allow them to go back and forward between Sats, exactly. Sats and Naira? Yeah. Exactly. So with BitNob, you can convert that money directly into your local currency. And um, it is, and you can also send that money to like, different African countries as well. So there was a time when I tested it with a friend of mine in Kenya. And I was like, I want to buy cupcakes for you right here from Nigeria. And um, I'm going to use the BitNob app. And I was able to pay the person who sold the cupcakes in their local currency using the BitNob app. So, and how oh, that wow. works okay. is that BitNob makes use of the Bitcoin infrastructure to make this transfer happen. So what happens underneath is that I'm using um, my USD to send money to Kenyan, Kenyan shillings. That USD is converted into Bitcoin. That Bitcoin is then used to buy Kenyan shillings mm -hmm. and it en ends up in the mobile money wallet of the recipient. So, well, very much like Strike, I suppose. Yeah. Exactly. Um, what are the tax implications um, for that kind of a transaction? I don't think there's. I don't. I've not paid any tax on it. <laughs> Beautiful. The. Uh, <laughs> but this is the thing. Like, I mean, even, even in places where tax code is very restrictive, like how is anybody ever going to keep track of 
Like if you go to the, if you went down to bottle shop before we came, picked up a bottle of wine, and I said, "Oh, it was my turn to pay," and I gave you the, and I paid you in sats via from yeah. Wa- yeah. Wallet of Satoshi to whatever you're on. Well, it's like Bitcoin, like, Bitcoin Live. Like, we were just paying paying yeah. each other back for Ubers and all that kind of stuff. It's I mean, like, it, I, I just, it's just un. It's a night. It's it's. I mean, have you ever been? a nightmare for the tax department. It's a, it's a disaster. Well, I, mean, I think. I think it depends on how they see it. So if you kept your Bitcoin as an asset and you're now converting it into local currency, maybe they tax that. I don't, I'm yeah. not a tax professional. I have no idea. No, no neither are we. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, that, when that's the thing though. So I, uh, I I don't trade at all anymore. I did at one stage, but um, but yeah, it just became an absolute headache for those sorts of reasons. Um, and I was like, well, I don't want to. So I, I should just stack Bitcoin. Don't go, don't go too far where I'm over my skis and mm. have to have to convert back mm. so that I can afford to pay, live life. And I just, you know, I just, and if I want to spend Bitcoin when I, when I, when somebody will accept it, then I'll, I'll spend it. Yeah. It's, um, and I just, I mean, I, I don't know the tax, the tax, tax departments have got, are so far behind the curve. It's, I don't think they'll ever, I don't think I can't, well, certainly, oh, I don't think they're going to do it here. What catch up? No, I, no, I just, I just can't see that happening. Yeah. But as Mary's saying, like maybe if you're selling out, you know, if you're buying twenty Bitcoin and you're holding them for ten months, you're selling them again, you're earning, you know, you get a yield in Australian dollars, and you have to declare that on your tax return. That's a different thing. Yeah. Um, this is not tax advice, guys. <laughs> no, 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 no. <laughs> totally. um, yeah, do your own research, everyone. Um, so. How do, are you able to place where Nigeria stands in relation to other African countries from on a, in a Bitcoin sense? Do you have any 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 sight on that? Hmm, that's a good question. So in terms of volume, I, Nigeria is number one in terms of Bitcoin mm-hmm. volumes. Um, that's the amount of like Bitcoin that people buy. Nigeria is definitely way ahead. But in terms of adoption, I wouldn't say Nigeria is ahead at all. Um, mm-hmm. because I would I would measure adoption as per like how many merchants are accepting bitcoin how many people are open to being paid in bitcoin like that's how i would measure adoption of bitcoin adoption um i I know maybe other people have their own metrics but i think ghana is doing well well. there's this young guy named kumi who has been orange pilling a lot of people and i think he even has like some uh stores that are accepting bitcoin right now um if i'm not responsible if I'm not mistaken, I think there are some places in Benin Republic, like a, a you know, those local restaurants. There's a, one. I hope it, I think it's Benin Republic or Cameroon. I'm not really sure. But there's a local restaurant that accepts Bitcoin. South Africa is also doing really well in area of Bitcoin adoption. Right. Yeah. Like um, um, Bitcoin Akasi, like that that um area, like you can buy things. There's some places you can actually buy Bitcoin. They pick and Pick and pay is that what it's called the the supermarket? Oh, I've can, seen the video. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, so you can buy things. You can pay for things in Bitcoin. So, like, in terms of adoption, these countries are definitely way ahead than Nigeria because I've not seen anyone. I've heard. I've heard that there are about like five stores, and I mentioned I recommended one of the stores to a friend, and he went there and he said they weren't accepting Bitcoin. 
um they all only accept bitcoin if their boss is around so that means it's the boss that is open to receiving payments in bitcoin so i wouldn't call that adoption really yeah so just so just very grassroots stuff which which, which is the way we want it to do yeah, yeah right yeah, exactly. this is the way it has to be uh so i have one thing that you mentioned on next pod that i would like you to just go over a little bit again for for the benefit of myself and for people listening is you were talking about the naira um and the devaluation of the naira and the parallel market for the naira and can mm -hmm. you explain that for people please sure so um for Brando. <laughs> <laughs> so the naira so niger is interesting right we have the central bank rate and then we have the parallel market rates so the central bank rate how it this is the official rate the naira to dollar rate that the central bank announces so any government related contract or whatever that would deal with the dollar that is their rate that's their official rate that is the official rate that banks are meant to follow they're meant to follow but they hardly don't um and then you have the parallel market rate these are the people that you buy dollar from from the back black market now interestingly in nigeria buying dollar from the back black market is more accessible than oh. buying dollar on the cbn rate so the central bank rate i think it's about i'm not really sure of the exact figure but i think it's around 400 and something naira but the parallel market rate is around 700 and something naira so yeah. imagine a bank and you know please confirm this but imagine a bank they're bound by the central bank rate, but they're offering their people the 700 and something Naira, meaning that the central bank gives them the dollar at the 400 and something Naira value, and they're offering it to the people at around 700 and something. Yeah. Right? Um, you know, so that, that wasn't there was an issue like that before. So they are literally profiting from the difference. Now, the people in the black market, they do not have access to that dollar in the central bank rate. So right, who, they, who, are, who are the people who have access to that rate? Like what you, you have to be a bank or do some individuals have access to that rate or how, how would it work? No, the government, government agencies, yeah. banks generally, they're the ones that have access to that rate. Wow. So like right. if you're dealing, if you have a, if you have a contract with the bank and maybe let's say you're a big company, you have a contract with the, with this, with the Nigerian government, they will quote your project based on the central bank rate so they are paying less than what the general public is paying for dollar so it's a, an incredible obvious and and, and, and everybody is aware of this as well right it's not just like it's a surprise yeah. people know this everybody everybody knows this like there's no way you can get the central bank rate like you walk into a bank you get mm. a central bank rate wow. you like it's not even possible they even restricted how there was a time when they were restricting like how much dollar you can get from the bank so people just go to bureau de change or like these um these guys who'll be at the market so if you visit nigeria and you go to a major market you'll see some guys stand on the roadside and they say dollar euro pounds so they go to those guys and yeah. they bring out their rate and say this is the rate right now and their rate also depends on the bits you're buying, right? So if you're buying a higher denomination, like maybe a hundred dollars, you know, from them, like their rate for a hundred dollars would be different from a hundred of those one one dollar notes. 
the one one dollar notes are a lot cheaper or more expensive. I can't remember. I can't. So I have a different rate for each gotcha. based on the availability and the availability of those notes. It's just a very interesting dynamic that's happening yeah. here. So I guess so like if. So like if a Nigerian who's working, maybe like you're working for a foreign company and you're being paid in dollar and somehow they're sending you the dollar, mm. you're getting that dollar in the, cent the in the black market rate. So anybody who works for a foreign company in their head is, my salary is 700 and something Naira times that dollar amount, never the 400 and something. Understood. So it's basically separation of rich and poor mm. on a massive <laughs> on, a, on a really obvious mm. um in your face scale everyone knows about it and everybody, everybody knows it. and so this i guess the one percenters problem in nigeria must be like horrific compared to um, other places is, is that is that true i mean well so the thing is that um the there was a time or rather there was a place on um, the internet. I can't really remember the name of the website right now, but this website was showing the black market rate, the central bank rate, and the government tried to shut those websites down that were revealing the parallel market rates. Yeah, so okay. they're trying to do something in the minds of the people that this is the value of the dollar to Naira is 400 and something, not 700 and something, because they're trying to censor everybody else. Yep. Um. Wow. So that was that kind of action that happened. As for the the one percent, it really depends, right? The people who need this dollar are those who are traveling, um, those who actually earn dollars. You know, they're the only ones that go to these bureaus de change to get the dollar changed. Or if someone from the U.S. sends them money, you know. So in Nigeria, <clears throat> how it happens is that if someone from the U.S. is using uh, Western Union to send you money, then what they what the banks do formally, what they used to do was they would convert that US dollar into the local currency according to the central bank rate. So you're actually losing. So they convert that according to the central bank rate and give it to you, right? Meaning that if you had gotten it over the black market, you would have made more money over what you received. But the banks were like cheating you that way. So they convert it into the central bank rate and give you the, the Naira equivalent. But now they've changed the policy such that if someone from abroad uses Western Union to send you money in dollar, the bank will get, hand you over the dollar, right? So that's the yeah, new okay. policy now. So those guys will take the dollar from there and go to Bureau de Change or all these guys on the street and say, hey, I want to exchange my dollar for Naira. Understood. And those are the people who usually have access to dollar, like the 1%, maybe the regular man who doesn't have to travel, they don't have any relatives who's sending the money abroad, they don't have the need to use these guys mm. yeah they're just dealing purely in naira with uh, exactly. trade. gotcha gotcha okay cool thank you for doing that all right is it my turn yeah go for it gaming oh my favorite <laughs> me too, i was like when are you guys gonna talk about that <laughs> me too so um i, I want to know i mean have you always been a gamer firstly oh my gosh i to be honest, I wasn't much of a gamer. I was I used to play a lot of Mario when I was little. Oh, uh, yes. <laughs> I used play a lot of Mario when I was little. When I'd visit friends and they had like a PlayStation, I'd play on it. And surprisingly good at at it. I don't know why, but surprisingly good at it. But then um, as I grew older, I kind of lost interest in games until my mom one day was like, she came into our room and she was like, I want to 
play a game that allows me to earn something. And we knew about Axie Infinity and all that. And I told my sister, we were, I and my sister were talking about it. We were like, you know, we we would like my mom to play games that will help her earn something, right? We want to, we want to fulfill her request, but we don't want her to get into a shit coin, mm-hmm. you know? Um, so are they Bitcoin games? Like games that would let you receive Bitcoin for like playing? Um, and then we so we started researching, and one of the games I came across was um, these games by Thunder Games. Um, that's when I realized that oh my gosh, Bitcoin games do exist. Mm. So I and my sister were like, we have to test these games first before we recommend them to my mom. So we started playing these games, and truly, like we were able to receive um, Sat rewards for the games. Um, downloaded a bunch of them, shared them with my mom. She selected the ones that she had interest in and started playing. And it was quite, she was quite happy about it, you know, set up a wallet for her. So like now every day she's like, I have XYZ number of Satoshis today. The next day she was like, I have XYZ number of Satoshis. So it's really, it's really great. And then I was now like, okay, this is cool, but why doesn't anybody know much about Bitcoin games? Mm. Um, And so at that time, I was interested in Twitch. Like I was watching Twitch streamers all the time. And I was like, why isn't there a Bitcoin version of this? Um, And so June, 2022, I was like, you know what? I'm just going to try it out and be the first one. You know, maybe I'll find someone else. Luckily for me, when I was searching on Twitch for other people who are playing like Bitcoin games, I found Jack Everett's um, Twitch and I saw his setup. So my initial setup was inspired by what I saw from Jack Everett. Um, apparently he used to play some Thunder games live on Twitch at the time. So I said, I did my setup. I'm like, okay, this thing could work. And I went live. That was my first time streaming. And, um, I'm so happy that now what I'm like 10 months in or so, um, it'll be a year in June. And now I, I'm a, I'm a Twitch affiliate, interestingly. So like, which is really cool. And I have, I met other guys who started streaming games on twitch as well bitcoin games on twitch is this guy named bobby who streams um thunder games on twitch and he actually even has a youtube channel where he breaks down his strategy mm. on how to perform really well on these games um then we just have this new guy who came in toryman toryman now like he he streams on twitch now so you'll see a lot of his zebedee cart gameplay um on live on twitch as well and yeah we're we're starting to come up. So it's really great. One interesting thing about my Twitch stream is that, um, you know, on Twitch, you have what you call like these donation buttons. Like they have these custom donation buttons. Um, I was like, these are cool, but I want to have the Bitcoin version of this, mm. right? I want, if anyone wants to tip me, I want to be tipped in Bitcoin. And so uh, luckily for me, I came across Zebedee Streamer, which is like a QR code thing that you put on your live stream. Someone scans it, a message shows up, just like the normal donation stuff that you see on Twitch. I set it up. A message shows up on screen. Yes, exactly. So um, I set it up and it was just really great. And then um, something happened that it was no longer available for those in Nigeria. Then I used 
get Albi because Albi has their QR codes as well. So if you use yeah. your Albi um, link, then .png, you get your QR code. So I put that on my live stream, which is great, right? So it turned out to be a good thing because now I know what else to re recommend to people who want to have a stream like mine, but it's in a country where Zebedee is not available. So like yeah. now that Zebedee and Bitnob had this um, partnership, Zebedee Streamer is now available in Nigeria and for the other African countries that Bitnov supports. So now I stream on Twitch. I have my Zebedee QR code. And then I my I started talking to my sister and we came up with this idea of being able to stream sats to, review, to the viewers, right? So she developed a, um, I call it a Bitcoin gaming tool, but a, a tool that, so you just put it up on your, your screen. It says scan to claim sats. And you, you scan and you get some sats and it's like random sat rewards. Sometimes you get 200, sometimes you get 100 based on what I set in the back end, um, which is fun. So it's like a game within a game. So it's the fastest scanner first. So if you scan fast, then you get whatever is there. So it really, now my whole Twitch stream is literally Bitcoin only. Um, I stream only Bitcoin games. I do like, now I, I recently started doing um, game commentary of Bitcoin gameplay. Um, which is really cool. So like this could be the beginning of Bitcoin only um, commentators, Bitcoin only game commentators and Bitcoin only shoutcasters. So this could be the beginning, who knows? So we can have Bitcoin esports, you know, in the future sure. where they can use my model or, you know, and build off on it and be start their commentating journey. So I'm like, my goal now is to see how I can push this further right how can i get to how can i bring bitcoin gaming as a whole to a point where it is just as engaging and just as interesting as web3 games so the reason what really fueled my passion for bitcoin gaming was when a friend of mine found out that i streamed on twitch and he was like watch this guy and he gave me the link of a guy this guy on youtube who streams only web3 games and talks about web3 games and i was I literally was hooked on that guy's channel. I was watching video to video back to back. And I was get at the more videos I watched, the angrier I got because I'm like, why are these games so good? Mm. And like they'll say, they'll say things like, oh, you can win XYZ token or whatever. And it, it got me so pissed because I was like, why can't we have Bitcoin games of this high quality such that and then people get Bitcoin rewards and actually earn sound money? Because mm. if you get XYZ token, from this game, right? If you get this, for example, Bento token or whatever token or hats token, you need to look for where hats token is sold on an exchange. And not yeah. every exchange is gonna have hats token. So you have to look for that. And when you find it, you need to wait for someone who's ready to buy the I'm hats token off you. Absolutely, yeah, totally. And then by the time you finally get the cash, all the fees and everything that you had to, it just yeah. doesn't make sense. But if you yeah. earn Bitcoin from these Bitcoin games, there are merchants out there who are ready to accept your Bitcoin as it is, yeah. right? You can go to a place like Bitrefill and buy stuff, like literally buy from 7-Eleven, um, buy from Amazon or whatever, right? Or you could just withdraw these sats into your local currency and spend it however you want to. 
So like it just makes more sense to earn Bitcoin. And so that's why after watching that those guys that guy's video, he's doing a great job, by the way. But I was like, man, I need to find a way to bring this to bit to the Bitcoin space. More people need to know about the potential of Bitcoin games and how far it can take you take them. In fact, this is the best orange pilling tool out there. When I went to the Philippines and I told my relatives about these Bitcoin games that allowed them to earn something, instantly they downloaded it. Mm -hmm. No questions asked, right? I told them about the wallet, so it's pouch wallet. They downloaded it. And now they have a game that enables them to earn Bitcoin and they have a Bitcoin wallet. This is how adoption spreads, right? This is how we have more lightning transactions going on. So oh, yeah. I get, can I guess that your family is mostly playing like solitaire? Um, my mom, yes, my well, mom, yeah. yes. My dad does. My dad's it. not interested in game. Me, me, me and your mom must be competing against each other for five sets. <laughs> it's awesome. That's that's good. I love that. Um, so sorry before uh, you go on. So you um, were already watching Twitch, so you must have had an interest in gaming, yeah? Yeah, I I actually. So I'm I really like TikTok a lot and some of these TikTok um people people in TikTok have their own Twitch streams. So like I actually really like watching them play games and engage their um their audience in conversation. So one thing about me is I've been into social media and content creation for years. And the way I approach social media or any platform at all is through remind of why is this content like engaging why do people like this person so much so i'm more of a my mind is more on studying the whole process so although so i like watching the gameplay that, yeah, yeah. <laughs> while i like watching the gameplay like i'm learning tips and tricks and now i'm trying my best to like pass that message across to bitcoin so they can learn about it too do you get an analytics on who's watching and do you know who's like do you have a demographic of people who are watching you or male, female, um, ladies? What are, who's watching? I, I don't have a demographic demographic of people who are watching, but what I can say um, so far is that a good number of people who watch me are from, are, are not from the West. So that tells a lot, right? Like I feel people now they're like trying to, they're interested in the prospects. Um, then um, I have some really nice Bitcoiners who watch me as well, which is great. You know, huge shout out to them. Um, but yeah, like it's it's saying a lot. And I feel like people in the West could actually, I mean, people in developing countries could actually benefit from streaming Bitcoin games. So when Zebedee and Bitnob had this integration uh, or partnership with each other, um, so the, what the partnership does is that it allows you to receive you know, to receive the rewards that you have in your Zebedee um, wallet in your local currency in Africa, right? So what I did was there was one stream I had and I was, I I got 16,000 sats um, in donations. And I converted that into Naira just to see, like I was curious because I usually don't convert my sats into, into local currency. I always give it back, you know, in terms of gifts or whatever. But like, um, I just wanted to see how much that would cost. In in Naira, it's three thousand four hundred and forty-four. So three with three thousand four hundred and forty-four Naira, you could buy a meal. You yeah. could buy things for the house to to eat and cook. You could, you know, depending on your data plan, you could renew your data plan. 
You could go to a store, you know, have a good time, buy ice cream. Uh, you can do a lot of stuff with that money. Um, I mean, not to talk about converting that into Philippine pesos, right? Because the Nigerian Naira is a lot stronger to, to the Philippine mm -hmm. peso. Like, there's a lot you could do with 16,000 sats. But to people in the West, it's like, what's that? Like, that's that's not that's just less than five dollars. Um, but it goes a long way to people mm -hmm. in developing countries, which strengthens the point that people that Bitcoin is like the, the Bitcoin use case is better seen and appreciated in developing countries. And it's such a blind spot for, for so many Westerners. They just don't see. The, yeah, it's like the, the value is too low and it's a why would anybody waste their time. And it's yeah. just, it's so privileged outlook, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. And it's, um, and regardless of that's regardless of even talking about the fact that the purchasing power of whatever it is that you get is a good chance of going up mm. significantly, mm -hmm. right? But let's exactly. forget that for, for Even forget that for a second. Like just the fact that you could, you could, well, even if, if you can have an example like that and then you can show that to a person mm. and then you can go to the shop and you can buy a, whatever it is that you buy and they're going, well, hang on, you didn't earn, you didn't go to work for this. You just, just you know, just played a game and or, you were given three some hours. reward. The game and I, yeah, I, I just streamed for three hours yeah, and they, I got that. Yeah, so that was my question. Like, how many hours a day would you stream for? Or do you do it? You do so that, that particular time I streamed for about three hours. Yep. Um, and I only stream once a week. It's just recently that I started streaming on Saturdays to do like commentary and stuff. Mm -hmm. And like almost every stream, I I win some sats. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm I'm old enough Bitcoin wise to remember when you literally had a web page you could go to and you could just click a button and you get twenty thousand sats. Like, <laughs> and you could you could have clicked the button all day. Click, 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 mm -hmm. click, click. If I didn't, if I'd have known then what I know now, all I would have done is just sit there all day and click the button. Or, <laughs> or you know the bird thing that. Just yeah, 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 yeah. Exactly. I learned to code so I could learn something. Yeah, 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 exactly. But but now this is the equivalent, and people are missing this completely. It's the same as like the, all the Sats back programs that people are going. Oh, well, what's the point in getting one percent back on you know my short purchase at the supermarket? It's not very much. Yes, yeah, maybe not very much today, but you're not getting anything. So why not just get mm -hmm. something and just leave? If you don't like, just leave it. Just let it sit and see what happens. Mm. And then you go back to it in maybe two and a half years time and you go, oh shit, that's like, you know, whatever it is now, yeah, four yeah. times what it was. And it's just, exactly. it's, um, and the fact that it's not tied up in some, as you say, like, you know, some shitcoin token that's just keeping you within the wall garden of some gaming company. Because, mm -hmm. cause, yeah. And I guess maybe that's part of the reason why gamers are going, well, yeah, I know I've seen all these tokens before, but I can't do anything with them. So you also then have to show them, well, hang on, you don't have to keep it within the game. You can go to the shop and buy a, you know, a drink. Yeah. Um, but I think, I think game, the, the gamers are the ones that will more easily understand it as well. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Because, um, I have, a, I have a, a question. I was going to say quick questions. I don't know if it is and if it's too complicated. Actually setting up a Twitch stream or, you know, gaming uh, and streaming and all that kind of stuff. It, it, is it or is it not fairly complicated? Um. So if I, I would say it's a process, right? I had a very simple setup, right? So you need the default screens would be your starting soon screen, which you can do in on Canva. Yeah. My current my current setup now is just a background with like 
text that says starting soon. And then the countdown timer I got from YouTube. So I just do countdown timer green screen. And then I downloaded the video and just uploaded it and did the chroma key. So yeah. now it's you see a countdown timer. And then you have your, which is the same style of, you know, BRB screen uh, and like stream has ended screen and stream screen. And then you have the next scene, which is like you're just chatting. So like just you and there. So it's like your camera. And then you, I, I usually put like my Zebedee streamer QR code in the corner and then my social media handles at, at the top. You don't, you don't have to do that. You could just put your QR code. doesn't really matter. And then you have the gaming screen. Now that is not complicated if you know what you're doing. Like all I needed was a background. And then I now stream with my iPhone. I play the games on my iPhone. So if you're, you just use quick timer, QuickTime Media and just do share movie screen. And then just all you need to do is now to create like a window which shows your phone. And you're just gonna resize it to the size you want and then move your camera to this side and make it really small. And then put your QR code. <laughs> so, so it's like, so I think it's so just the basic. Is, yes, it's well, too complicated. No, it's, this is the no, it's not, it's this not, is the thing it's just it's like, are you prepared to put the work in to get it done? Like, are you completely self-taught on that? Yes, I am. Like today, I was, I, there I was YouTube videos Canva today too. So, yeah, there are YouTube videos on yeah. how to do each. So, you just say how to do your starting soon screen, how to do your end screen, how to do your gaming screen. Yeah, like you have the tutorials all there, and just follow. That's what I did. And fun fact: the day I decided to go live. I use that weekend to set up my stream. Mm. And every day I'm still like updating it little by little, you know, I feel like, oh, I can move this a little to this side. And then gradually you get to a point where your streaming setup starts looking really good, right? So if you see my streaming setup when I started last year and comparing it with now, like it has improved uh, drastically. So like it's a gradual process. Just start, and yeah. Yeah, I think people fine. get caught up and they're like, "Oh, I'm not going to do this if it's not perfect," and they, as you say, they don't <laughs> just start. And then mm, if you mm. if you just start and then you're like, "Oh, I could do this," and "Oh, I can do that," it's a bit like have you heard about um, uh, Perth Heat, the baseball guys? That's what they're doing. They're putting a QR code on their live stream of the game, and if you nice. and, if, and you can for the individual players. And you can, if somebody does something that you particularly like, and I'm not a baseball guy, but if somebody mm -hmm. does particularly something or somebody hits a home run in baseball, you can just, uh, you know, send them sats directly to that player. And then That's the player, sweet. And now the players are now engaging directly with the fans one-to-one -one after the game, which is just, I mean. All right. Is that you? Yeah, that's me. <laughs> there you go. So you're gonna have to learn, man. I think you're gonna be my first, <laughs> first follow. What's the difference between a follow and a subscribe? So when you become a Twitch affiliate, people can subscribe to you and they oh, subscribe with, and you get paid. Like, they have to pay. Yeah. Nice. And how many, like how, how, how far did you have to get before you became an affiliate? I think it was like 50 followers and then a certain number of what time, if I'm not mistaken, but they, on yep. Twitch, you see like your um, targets, it shows on gotcha. Twitch. Okay. So sorry. What, are, what the hell does this mean? It says starting in four minutes. Oh, well, that's us. Yeah, so that's my start go? screen. 
<laughs> no, that's my start screen. So oh. like when you start, you don't just go live immediately. You just give them like that five minutes to oh, settle, settle in. Yeah, hey, uh, you're gonna. This is gonna be you all weekend. I can tell. Yeah, I'll have a look. <laughs> <laughs> you're gonna get the kids working. That's what you're gonna. Yeah. Do. Yeah. <laughs> the, the um. So, I guess maybe just to round up, are you living on a Bitcoin standard or not, or or where do you put yourself on living on the Bitcoin standard scale? Um, so I would love to live on a Bitcoin standard, but unfortunately where I live, we're a very cash-based society. Um, mm -hmm. so sadly I, there isn't a place where I can spend my Bitcoin. Um, okay. but in the Philippines, however, if you're living in Boracay, yo, you can live on the Bitcoin standard. It was really cool to spend that one week living awesome. on the Bitcoin standard. That was really great. I mean, we literally just did that conference and we did spend quite a bit, you know, as you say, like taxis yeah. and yeah, buying yeah. stuff and drinks and, and, stuff and, drinks and everybody's, and just, and everybody's yeah. just zapping back, either sending them back and forth on a lightning wallet or they're, they're sending via, via other people's North it's, accounts. Or... It's Gresham's law in, you know, it's, in yeah. real life. And it's like, well, I'll give you sets and I'm going to give you dollars for it. This is going to be the time. I, I, I mean, just really feel that this is going to be the time that everybody's going to back look back and go, "Oh, can you remember when we did this? It was so cool!" <laughs> right at the very beginning of yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. Um, Mary, awesome. Give people a shout out to your well, wherever you want to, whatever you'd like to. Oh, okay. Thank you so much. I had so much fun on this podcast. Um, yeah. So feel free to follow me on Twitter. Um, my Twitter handle is Mary underscore Masuen. That's M-A-R-Y underscore I-M-A-S-U-E-N. I'm a podcaster, so I spell everything. <laughs> you can you can also follow me on Twitch. Um, same name, Mary Masuen on Twitch. Um, so yeah, it'll be really cool. I stream every Monday um, and just recently started streaming on Saturdays. I'm just testing it out. But yeah. <laughs> Love it. Awesome. Awesome to talk to you, Mary. Thank you. Nice Thank speaking much. to you guys too. We'll, we'll see you on Twitch. <laughs> I'm going to look. I, honestly, I'm looking. <laughs> you got me interested now too. I'm trying to get him to get an Xbox. All right. Anyway, I'll talk about this later. <laughs> Cheers. Take care.